I am Srimati Karuna, the director of the Gandhi Memorial Center in Washington, D.C. I bring to you this series, Speaking of Gandhi, sharing the messages from the life of the Mahatma. Gandhi was greatly influenced by the philosophy and method of Dr. Maria Montessori, the Italian educator who influenced a worldwide movement in terms of Montessori education and training. Mahatma Gandhi first became acquainted with the Montessori method at a small school in Amarelli near Rajkot after he returned to India from South Africa in 1915. When they met in London in 1931, both the Mahatma and the Dr. felt a mutual esteem and kinship of purpose. Maria Montessori was born in Italy on August 31, 1870. That makes her just a year younger than Mohandas K. Gandhi. As a young girl, she was quite a free spirit. Later, she broke the traditional barriers among men and women in education and, of course, breaking barriers between teacher and student in the process that began to redefine the roles of teacher and student. Her father was Alessandro Montessori. He had been a soldier in his youth and later he became a civil servant. He was of the generation that welcomed the creation of a new Italy, but found the changes also at the same time very perplexing. Maria's father, Alessandro, took part in one of the early battles for liberation that eventually led to the unification of Italy, and he was decorated for it in 1849. The following year, he went to work for the Papal State as a clerk in the finance department, and later he was employed at the salt factories and then as an inspector in the salt and tobacco industries, becoming an inspector for the Ministry of Finance. At the age of 30, he was a successful government official involved in financial management. Then he met Maria's mother, Renelda Stepani. She was unusually well-educated for a girl of her time. Even in her town, it was a matter of pride to be able to write her own name. She met in her husband someone who shared her ideals. They were married in the spring of 1866, returned to Chiara Valley, where Maria was born the following year. When Maria was three, they moved to Florence. The biographer Rita Kramer wrote that young Maria was expected to help her neighbors and she had a daily quota of knitting to do for the poor. She assigned herself the job of washing a certain number of squares whenever the tile floor needed to be cleaned. And similar to what later became known as exercises of practical life in the Montessori school. An early childhood memory involved Maria's role as peacemaker between her parents. She would hear them quarreling, drag a chair over to where they stood and climb upon it take both their hands and clasp them together in hers. Perhaps an experience that would later 
draw her own philosophical ideas of peacemaker. Later, her family moved to Rome, where her education really took off. Maria learned history and geography and science and geometry. And after third grade, it was not uncommon for the boys and girls to be separated. Maria went about her studies with great determination and focus. The biographer Rita Kramer also describes how Maria Montessori remembered a teacher who made her pupils memorize the stories of the lives of great women of the past, urging them to follow in their footsteps and become famous themselves someday. Yet her response to this was that Maria felt she cared too much for the children of the future to add merely another biography to the list. Young Maria read and asked many a question. And perhaps influenced by her father's work, she also had developed quite a passion in mathematics. Most of the small number of girls who would go beyond elementary school would pursue the classical course of study, but Maria Montessori decided that she wanted to go on to a technical school. The biographer Rita Kramer describes that her mother's life was conventional. But her mother encouraged Maria to break the stereotypical role. Maria graduated from the technical school in the spring of 1886 with high marks. And then she continued to do well in the technical institute, which she attended from 1886 to 1890. She wanted to do what so many of her fellow students in the technical institute were planning to do. That was become an engineer. Though eventually, she changed her interest from engineering to medicine, something no woman in Italy had ever done up to that point. Maria's father, Alessandro, didn't actually forbid her to go on into the study of medicine. And Somehow, she managed to make an appointment to see the professor of clinical medicine at the University of Rome. It is said that he refused to encourage her to apply for admission, but she was persistent. And indeed, Maria Montessori enrolled in the University of Rome in the fall of 1890 as a student of physics, math, and natural sciences. In the spring of 1892, Maria received the diploma license that made her eligible, except for the fact that she was a woman, to begin the actual study of medicine. However, Maria persisted until she was accepted. It is unknown exactly how she succeeded, but her biographer, Rita Kramer, describes that there are stories that it was Pope Leo XIII who came to her rescue although it is unknown whether the Pope actually was instrumental in making the decision to admit her to medical school possible, or whether he merely supported the decision in a statement after it had taken place. For most, it was shocking that a woman would be working side by side with men, examining a patient or studying the human body. But Maria was determined to do whatever she set her mind to do. Other students gradually began to accept her, but her father was still not yet prepared to accept this decision she had made. 
to pursue the study of medicine. Before long, Maria was noticed not just for being a woman, but for her achievements in medical studies. She actually won the prize of a thousand lire, at that time a considerable sum of money given to a student who was studying in the Department of Medicine and Surgery for work in general pathology. And in the following year, in 1995, she won a competition for a coveted position as assistant in the hospital. This made it possible for her to gain clinical experience even a year before her graduation from medical school. In her last two years, she studied pediatrics at the Children's Hospital and served as an assistant doctor at the Women's Hospital in Sassia. She also attended the psychiatric clinic where she studied the material in which she would later write her thesis. Eventually, Maria's father was won over and took pride in her achievements. She was the first woman to graduate from a medical school in Italy. She was given a job as an assistant at the San Giovanni Hospital attached to the university and also started her own private practice. In August 1896, Montessori was chosen as one of the delegates to represent Italy at an International Women's Congress to be held in Berlin that fall. This was yet to become only one of many international appearances and a great deal of travel that would take Maria around the globe. She was dedicated, dedicated to the relief of human suffering. And she had taken a special interest in the diseases of children. And she was passionate about social reform. Through her experience working in the asylums in Rome, she began to see how children who did not develop at the usual pace were treated. And it occurred to her that there was nothing in their environment in which they could feel and touch or exercise their hands or eyes. They had nothing to play with, nothing to do, nothing to expand and stimulate their minds. During the 1897-1898 university term, she attended courses in pedagogy and audited classes and read all the major works on educational theory. It was to become her emphasis in the beginning of a child's education with concrete rather than the abstract. This, of course, found its way into Montessori education. She wanted to make use of the natural environment to perfect the school, to make it a place that really met the needs of the children. In the two years after Maria graduated as a doctor, she worked in medicine and anthropology, and her experience working with children from, from the asylums of Rome and her study of the works of other great thinkers and writers on the treatment of children convinced her of the need for special schools for education and training. She wanted to ultimately focus on the education of the senses before the education of the intellect. By the spring of 1900, a school had been opened in Rome 
dedicated to the medical pedagogical study and training for teachers in the care and education of children of special needs. Dr. Maria Montessori was appointed director of that school. In fact, it had been set up along the lines of a teaching hospital. It was designed to provide both special education for children, but also provide a laboratory of training for practitioners in these methods. Maria Montessori became an educator and a trainer of teachers. At the age of 37, she gave up the directorship of the school, but she continued her own studies and search for the reasons why schools were failing children. Visiting elementary schools and seeing how children were taught showed her that it was a system in place that did not elicit from children that which she had desired. Dr. Maria Montessori said that the subject of our study is humanity. Our purpose is to become teachers, but what really makes a teacher is love for the human child. For this love transforms the social duty of the educator into the higher consciousness of a mission. Now we can already begin to realize and understand the impact that Maria Montessori had not only on the hearts and minds of educators around the globe, but in particular, that of Mahatma Gandhi. A meeting between Mahatma Gandhi and Maria Montessori took place in 1931 in London. This was during Gandhi's visit to attend the second roundtable conference, and they immediately found a mutual esteem and affinity between them. Gandhi and Dr. Montessori met on a few occasions, and she enjoyed perhaps the most significant years of her work in India between 1939 and 1949. What educators throughout the world value today as the Montessori method is linked historically and ideologically to India and spiritually to Mahatma Gandhi. Dr. Montessori arrived in Madras in India, today Chennai, in 1939 to give training courses organized by the Theosophical Society at its headquarters at Adyar. Those first courses were so popular, attracting hundreds of teachers, that the Theosophists especially constructed a village of palm-leaf huts with large lecture hall in which to accommodate them. When Italy entered World War II, Maria Montessori was confined for a time in to the Adyar campus and separated from her own son, Mario, who was her closest assistant. Between 1939 and 1946, when she flew back to Europe after the war, she gave courses throughout India in Ahmedabad, Adyar, Kodakhanal, and Kashmir. When she returned to India in 1948, she gave more courses in Pune and again in Adyar. According to Maria Montessori's methodology, education is a process of liberating the spirit of the child. The purpose of the educator, according to Maria Montessori, is to channel the child's spontaneous desire for learning in a prepared environment 
in ways that encourage habits of success, of independence, and creative responsibility. It was to support as much as possible the child's desire for activity, not waiting on the child, but educating the child to be independent. There's definitely a link between Maria Montessori's beliefs in education and India's own spiritual heritage. Some of Maria Montessori's most significant ideas were evolved in India as a result of her experiences with the Indian people. For example, her psychology of infant development was derived from observations within the close Indian family setting. Listen now as Elisabetta Marmolo offers a reading from the words of Dr. Maria Montessori about the impression of Mahatma Gandhi in Europe. We Europeans see quite a different Gandhi from the one that is known to those who live near him. So, if we look at the sky at night, we see a star as a very shiny thing, shining and twinkling. But if he were near, it would not appear either small or solid. We should see an immense extension of color and light, devoid of material substance. To us, Gandhi appears merely a man, a very small man, wearing only a loincloth. Everybody knows him, even the smallest children, in every corner of Europe. Everyone, when he sees his picture, exclaims in his own language, that is Gandhi. And what do, they know, uh, what do they think of him? Are people who live so far from him in a civilization so different? They know him as a man who preaches peace, but not a pacifist like those in Europe. Our pacifists argue and hurry about. They have to attend meetings and write in the papers. Gandhi does not hurry, and he is sometimes in prison where he does not speak and hardly eats. And yet, Millions of men in India understand and follow him because they are aware of his spirit. His spirit is like a great energy that has the power of uniting men because it affects some inner sensitivity and draws them together. This mysterious and marvelous energy is called love. Love is the only force that can bring about a real union between men. Without it, they are drawn into superficial association by force of external circumstances and the pursuit of material interests. But this association without love is insecure and leads to dangers. Men should be united in both ways, by a spiritual force attracting the soul and by material organization. Dr. Montessori explained how deeply touched she was by Gandhi's visit to her teacher training college. Gandhi appears to me as a soul rather than a man. He had been in my thoughts for years and years. I followed him with my soul. His gentleness, his sweetness was such that it was as if in the whole world there existed no such a thing as harshness. He gave himself freely and fully, as if no limits or obstacles existed, strong, direct as a ray of sunshine. It seemed to me that this venerable being might greatly hate the teacher whom I am preparing. The teacher should be open-hearted and generous, should change his own soul that he may come forth from the harsh world of adults, the world full of obstacles thwarting the life of humanity. 
May is meeting with our teachers to aid us in the spiritual defense of the child in humanity. Now listen to a conversation between Mahatma Gandhi and Dr. Maria Montessori, presented by Nimai Mehta and Elisabetta Marmolo. We are members of the same family. I'm asking my own children to assimilate the heart of Gandhi. I know that feeling for me over there in your part of the world is deeper than here. Yes, you have the largest number of adherents in India outside Europe. Even as you, out of your love for children, are endeavoring to teach those children through your numerous institutions the best that can be brought out of them, even so I hope that it will be possible not only for the children of the wealthy and the well-to-do, but for the children of paupers to receive training of this nature. Mahatma Gandhi goes on to state the nature of this impression of education that Maria Montessori made upon him. Listen as Nimai Mehta reads the words of Mahatma Gandhi. In a proper atmosphere, children learn spontaneously. I have often found that they learn more outside the classroom than in it. It is our duty, therefore, to create the school atmosphere even at home so that children may spontaneously go on learning all the time they can. This is the true Montessori method. But this means that all grown-up members should behave as teachers. That is, they should have the purity of character and should love the children. And Mahatma Gandhi expresses the following in a letter which he wrote to the children of the ashram. Dear boys and girls, the most important thing was that the children felt no burden of learning as they learn everything they played. Secondly, the aim is to develop all the senses and organs of the child, that is, its hands, feet, nose, ears, tongue, skin, and the mind, and they have carefully planned a teaching program that with in view. In the program, very little place is given to memorizing. Music has an important place, and it accompanies physical exercise also. They teach dancing too, and it gives plenty of exercise to the body. The children do most of the things themselves and learn without effort to concentrate attention. The thing I liked most in their method was that they trained the children to observe silence and concentrate. This is how they do it. The children sit with closed eyes. The teacher speaks in a voice no louder than a whisper into one's ear and the children strain in their ears to hear what she says. As soon as any child hears it, it goes over on its toes and sits by the side of the teacher. Till all the children have done this one after the other, everyone is to remain sitting and keep silent. You too should try this. Blessings from Bapu. In 1932, Mahatma Gandhi expressed to Maria Montessori what he felt to be the importance of the cultivation of the child in terms of peace in our world. If we are to attain real peace in this world and if we are to carry on a real war against war, we shall have to begin with children. I would develop in the child his hands, his brain and his soul. 
if they grow up in their natural innocence we won't have to pass fruitless idol resolutions but we shall go from love to love and from peace to peace until at last all the corners of the world are covered with that peace and love for which consciously or unconsciously the world is hungering divine knowledge is not borrowed from books it has to be realized in one's self books are at best an aid often even a hindrance i invite you to read more about the life of maria montessori and mahatma gandhi and turn your attention to the book published by Srimati Kamala, the founding director of the Gandhi Memorial Center, entitled Yours Faithfully, M.K. Gandhi, in which the chapter, The Two Teachers, that brings to light the educational philosophy of Mahatma Gandhi and Maria Montessori. I look forward to sharing with you more messages each week from the life of Mahatma Gandhi. As he said, my life is my message. Vaishnava Jarnar